Welcome to Read the Room, the only podcast that doesn't come flat packed after the COVID lockdown is lifted. I am here in the lounge room of Super Producer James with my dear friend, podcast co-host, partner in crime, Pastor Katie Isles, who this week was accused of kangaroo manslaughter. Katie, explain yourself. We hit a kangaroo about 15 k's out of Narra Court, driving down to Mount Gambia. And how did that feel? I'm not talking to you. It was truly how did the kangaroo horrible. feel? Yeah, that was. R I P. So you you were just in country SA. 110 k's an hour mm-hmm. in the a city SUV, Chappell. Well, soccer mums aren't built for that. And then there was like this dragging sound under the car. Oh. And I had my two sons in the car with me. It was 10 o'clock at night, and I was like, God, if you're real. <laughs> <laughs> there better not be a kangaroo carcass under my Kluger. But it wasn't. It was just the bumper that it knocked off. Kangaroos minute, are big. And then yeah, you got to your location and later that night you just said. <laughs> Skip, is that you? Oh, Skippy. No, and then I rang the insurance lady. I was about for, to say, I for bet you got great help. <laughs> so then I rang roadside assist through our insurance and the lady was like, can I have an exact street address? And I'm like, no, you cannot. And I said, I'm somewhere I'm outside of Maricourt. And she goes, no, I'm going to need an exact street address. And I'm like, I cannot give you that because I am on a road. Would you like coordinates? Yeah, yeah I was like, we're the car next to the dead kangaroo with, <laughs> with only one leg left. <laughs> this is some prime. So I duct tape up the front of my car. I was like a freaking Bear grills of animal killingness. <laughs> were your kids asleep? Well, well, not after that. <laughs> not after that. that they were, they the sound that it made. It Jeepers. was like something you'd hear on a construction site when they drop like a container onto the ground off a crane or something. It was just like, bam. It's pretty impressive you could drive the car afterwards, frankly. Well, yeah. I mean, I was like one ton of car going 110 V a medium-sized kangadoo. I mean, I, I got a screw in my tyre on the way driving here this morning. So it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It is the same thing. Producer James, how are you, buddy? I'm, I'm good. On mic. It's nice to have you here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. It's nice to be here. I mean, you're always here, but you're, is, you're on mic. Yeah, I'm on mic. I'm normally in the background. Um, asked one question one time, and it was, it was a good time. It's nice to, nice to be out in the open, let out of my cage. I yeah. think you should stop yeah. talking now. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently the talent wants to talk again. Yeah, what's up, I feel Katie? like you don't... <laughs> <laughs> just don't want to push to stay in your life. So we are, we are at the end of season one of Read the Room. And if you're listening to this, we hope you've had a lot of fun and um, learned a lot. And I know, you know, we've, we've had tons of both fun, but it's been incredibly informative mm. uh, and uplifting, I think, as well, is the other thing. You know, we were re- really hopeful that this would be something that speaks hope into the Australian church. And I think that's what we've got. I don't know. What have been some highlights for you, Hawksy? I think um, for me, it was Mike Hands. Like, he's a dear friend of mine, but just listening to him talk so candidly and humbly around, you know, just wanting to serve the church and, and to, you know, double down on prayer and all the things i just i found that so encouraging um i love everyone all of the time so it's like choosing between children yeah which you do (laughs) regularly yeah that's fine i mean i loved um steve chong i just thought like he's just relentlessly optimistic and positive about seriously what the gospel can do through evangelism that story about his kid i know i was just about to say that amazing just so beautiful and you know, just why not? Why not? Mm. You know, we had we had open doors at, at church recently and um, they were sharing stories and most of the stories started with someone under the age of 23 did something that by the time you get to 40, you go, no, nah, that doesn't really work. Um, <laughs> but they just do it. Yeah. And I just thought that was that was awesome. Mm. Incredible. Nora, you no. got any particular highlights? Um, yeah, I think I think um, for me it was definitely Mike, Mike Guglielmucci. Um, the, just the, the story of... Um, grace in that I think um, hits home for a lot of young men I think um, yes obviously some of the things that um, he's done have been a bit more extreme than I think what a lot of other people have but I think the, the crux the crux of his um, uh, particular ailment was something that a lot of young men can can relate to um and and i just found that um kind of almost almost reassuring that it's like this this um 
you know, him, him talking to that, that youth kid, um, when, yeah. And him being able to actually just go and be like, Hey, I'm going to go talk to my parents. About it broke this. some glass ceilings. Yeah. Like and glass I, ceilings, but you know, <laughs> the conversations around. Yeah. Him. Which please you know, don't appropriate the female experience. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. no, I think that's a huge point though. No, because, um, I was actually chatting to a couple of guys after that episode and we got talking about just the proliferation of pornography mm, and how it's almost yeah. harder not to see it mm, mm. than it is to see it, you know, and, yeah. um, and just how pervasive it is is and that assumption like because i think i think i said i just assume that young men are addicted to pornography unless i hear otherwise and it felt really uh ungenerous i suppose but this i was talking to this young pastor and he's like no it's actually so helpful we just have to normalize it you know because not normalize normalize the the conversation let me be clear (laughs) pornography is a degradation on our society and on our sexual identity and i just think we need to be absolutely on the forefront of that i also Mm. thought it was fantastic about what mike said around the addiction like when he saw a secular psychiatrist who said we i just want to help you reframe addiction because if i pointed a gun to your head and said do you think you can stop looking at porn Mm. if i threaten to kill you mike was like yeah totally and he goes okay so we're not addicted it's a compulsion Mm. interesting yeah Yeah, that was really interesting yeah i had a similar conversation recently about um capacity control emotion and capacity control what you say with somebody talk um, to me about capacity control uh i don't want to i don't want to overshare this conversation but I, the crux of it was that uh we were just talking about effectively exactly that sometimes we are in a place where we go i just can't control blank and then you go into another situation where there are other people around you and you feel exactly the same way and you have exactly the same thoughts but you can control it a bit better. I see. Yeah. And so we realise, ah, perhaps... So extrinsic has, versus intrinsic yes. motivations, boundaries. Uh, yes, more the more the externally imposed boundaries of yeah. having other people around you, like the polite societal boundaries of going, I'm not going to scream this obscenity out loud even though I'm angry because I know I will be judged by these peers. But that's, mm. that's actually... It's not about the judgment. It's about the, the sense of, <clears throat> oh, I do have more agency than I have been willing to allow myself in this yeah. moment. Ooh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good. Mm. Anyway, that's not what we're here to discuss today. No. No, we're here to discuss you guys. Kind of. Which I am <laughs> borderline mortified by. However... Yeah. I'm more concerned for the we give the people questions. what they ask for <laughs> that's the first rule of mass media pierce brosnan taught me that and tomorrow never dies let's just blow <laughs> past that <laughs> <laughs> sorry i just i wanted to see how long that pause would last that was good you um, couldn't you couldn't see it on the pod but katie and i were just staring into each other's eyes when you see it would break first <laughs> <laughs> Um, it wasn't even a good film. No, no. it's terrible. No. <laughs> Although Goldeneye, top shelf. Yeah, it's great. It's yeah, a good Brosnan. Anyway. Seen, seen Bean, Sean Bourne. Yeah, he's good. Sean Bean. Sean Bean's really good in Goldeneye. Yeah, he is. He's his amazing. Brosnan was not a good Bond. He's no. very handsome. Sean, Sean Bean. Bourne is doubtfire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Bean dies twice in Goldeneye. Like he's oh, famous yeah. for dying in films, but he dies twice in Goldeneye. And I think yeah. that that's the a fake death and then the real one. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. What about so, his fake death in Lord of the Rings? That was a real death. Yeah. Borrow me. I man. feel like it was a. It I was literally like, watched it yesterday. Did you see the thing where it's like, you've got a shield, bruv? Anyway. What? <laughs> It's not Captain America. No, he's I'm just not saying Captain he's America. got a shield. He's like, oh, what's this thing I've been carrying around? Yeah, for the whole he's movie. just a dude. He's yeah. not like he's just a very good warrior. He's he can being, still be slain being attacked, by he's orcs. He's being attacked. By, it's not he can orcs. be felled by goblins. Orakai. Orakai. Orakai are orcs. No, they're orcs. They're not orcs crossed with goblins, goblins oh, which mate. means they can come out during the day Seriously. without getting uh, turned to stone. She's right. She's she's got it. Can we please? Stop talking about Urukai. Uh, oh. Yes, we can. All right. Okay, so that's what I like to call derailment. Um, mm-hmm. So I think today um, a lot of listeners have been kind of, well, most of the, most of the listeners have just been face to face conversations because that's you know most of our listeners. Are our mums are very proud. People we like. <laughs> Your mum's proud. Um, She's not. She but- was like, honey. You talk too fast. <laughs> <laughs> my mum definitely doesn't know what a podcast is. You know, every time I preach, my dad sends me an email within about 45 seconds of me getting off the platform. And um, I read them out at our staff meetings because they're always, hello, sausage. <laughs> Wonderful message on the weekend. 
He's like, ha, I just wanted to give you a couple of tips that I think will make it just a little bit sharper. And the last one he wrote me, he gave me makeup tips. <laughs> and I was like, and he was like, and like I'm like, Dad, videos. I didn't have shiny skin. It's called highlighter. I asked J-Lo about it. And he was like, no, darling, I just think a ex- little extra powder around the cheekbones and just keep your camera tech. And I'm like, yeah, wow. Absolutely hey, if you're listening and you've ever wondered where Katie got her humour from, Nick Hawks <laughs> is the OG. Absolutely. <laughs> what a guy. Well, I think that, that kind of leads into, I suppose, the the initial thing that I want to ask. Uh, Katie, you're a pastor, an associate pastor at the Journey Uniting Church. For now. <laughs> until I get sacked. Nice. For saying well, what I think on a podcast. I'm well, joking. Tell me, what do you think? How... how what give me give me a, f- a little a little spiel about about your ministry who you are and and where you fit in all of that. Oh wow, okay. it's a big question. It's a huge so question. you well, answer it. So my ministry, not my background. <laughs> 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 oh dear. So I'm the associate pastor um, with uh, for, at the Journey Uniting Church in Adelaide, South Australia, and my primary area of responsibility is basically whatever I'm told to do on any given day, (laughs) but also, um, so I'm associate pastor brackets, preaching, teaching and communications. So I have a background in journalism, public relations, communication strategy, and that's actually proven invaluable in a ministry context. And so, yeah, so anything that happens on platform, all our preaching, all our preaching development, our internship program, um, how we communicate, when we communicate, strategizing change change management all that kind of thing and um a few heavy pastoral conversations every now and again uh yeah Mm -hmm. so what what brought you into ministry Ooh, um a lifetime of trying my hardest to get out of it (laughs) um no see i'm a pastor's kid my dad's a pastor his dad was a pastor an Anglican archdeacon. And um, so my granddad had a radical conversion to Christ after a motorbike accident and um, became a chaplain to British Army. And then my dad got packed off to boarding school with his twin brother at the age of 12 and lived a wildly secular life. And then was sailing they were sailing tragics because they went to an english private school and that's a thing and so after they finished year 12 my dad failed year 12 because he was playing too much rugby and then they sailed a boat with their outdoor ed teacher once they both graduated uh around the north coast of england and this guy was a christian and he preached the gospel to them and they both got radically saved and so then dad um, was a scientist and he went into ministry and so i grew up in a ministry family but a very academic Ministry family. You you missed you skipped over the bit where after they got the boat they went to Hong Kong and were with Jackie Paul. Yeah, yeah. So dad, so dad kind of cut his teeth in faith as a sort of an 18, 19 year old in Hong Kong, <gasps> working with a woman named Jackie Pullinger, and they lived with her and um, not like with her, but like in the situation that she was in uh working with the triad gang members and um heroin addicts and prostitutes and and so that was kind of our norm so my parents were radically radically saved at university just before they went to university my mum saved at university full of the holy spirit like the 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 pinnacle of the charismatic renewal sort Mm. of a thing of the 70s and um so dad was pastor and so i grew up with that i always had that fire and that thing in my belly i couldn't get out of it but i also was so bitter at the church and Mm. angry at christians and didn't want a bar of it you know like as a 22 year old i earned more money than my dad you know which i just thought was just a degradation the guy's got four degrees including now two doctorates so six and as a graduate journalism student i earned more money than him and i was just like the church is stupid christians are tight everything sucks (laughs) and then god's like game on mole let's do this and um (laughs) yeah and i just couldn't escape i just love the church in spite of myself and i love people and i think you know i remember actually saying a Lockie hogarth once there's nothing he's a he's my pastor's son and he was a bit like i don't want to go into ministry but i feel like that's what god's calling me to do and i said honey there's nothing wrong with a family business and i think i wish i had someone to say that to me earlier because i feel like i wasted a lot of good years feeling bitter and entitled when Mm. i just should have been getting my hands dirty and helping out anyway here i am amazing that's awesome i love that um 
Sorry to ignore you for a bit, Mike. But no, I think ignore I'll, away. I think I'll just stay stay on this thread for a little bit. You're you're ministering now, so so what? I I know you know things can be hectic in church um, and things, but you are someone who preaches incredibly, and you have some amazing things to say. Your questions and insights in this podcast have been fantastic. Um, what kind of where does that come from where where do these where do these big insights come from where do these what what where do you what how do you spend your time getting this information in your brain and then out into the world i don't know my my whole thing is like people will say oh can you come and like do a pre preaching masterclass and i'm like oh no <laughs> because i don't know sure it's more art than science of but course. like to be fair so let's make some disclaimers over that i've been steeped in an environment of preaching teaching and academic rigor so my dad is mm. above all things an academic so um you know and i've grown up in that environment where you and I, I, I am blessed by our dear Lord with um, I can process information incredibly fast. Mm. Um, I can read incredibly quickly. Uh, you tell me something once and it's in me. I can connect dots. Um, you know, I don't, I don't I sound like I'm bigging myself up. It's just <laughs> my world. Um, and so that helps, I think. Yeah. Um, I've always been from young child intensely curious. Like mm. I'm curious about you. I'm curious about your coffee table books because I think <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I was teasing James about his coffee table books. Um, and, um, I, and I love people. So I think mm. there's this intense curiosity. I'm naturally quite uh, academic. I'm insanely curious and I don't know. Maybe, Mike, you can help me because I don't know how to answer that question. Um, you like to get to the root causes. So, you, you, yeah, your, your, your academic rigor and your natural communication skills are definitely helpful. But, you know, one of your go-to, and, and I'll make fun of you for this, is you'll say all the time, I don't accept your premise. But the reason, <laughs> which means you're, you'll change the conversation because you're saying the conversation you're having is not based on anything worthwhile but that comes <laughs> from well no no not worthwhile but it's like you're making a false a false um it's subterfuge yeah it's i subterfuge. have no patience for it that's right and and the reason Brilliant. you do that is because you're looking for the premise to begin with yeah you're saying what is at the heart of this and so we'll ask a question in the podcast um and somebody will say something and you say why did you do that or, or what brought that on or why mm. were you thinking this way you're looking for the question behind the question. Mm. And so you'll interrogate reality and that's interesting. And not people people don't do that normally. No. That's really I don't cool. I don't yeah, and I think like I wonder this, I don't know, that like I love people and hopefully when you're around me, as long as I'm not cranky with you, you feel that I love you. Mm. And so I think that makes people a little bit more amenable to me asking them insanely ridiculously personal questions mm. well that's the other thing you you just ask hard questions like or, or questions that other people says particularly you. genteel westerns <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i think sometimes people in you know genteel western society were like oh we better not ask that yeah and you'll ask it and it's not that they're bad questions it just are the ones that we probably are afraid to ask sometimes yeah, absolutely well on that then so to both of you asking the hard questions um have have you guys found that that's something that helps in in the ministry context of actually bringing out leadership in asking hard questions as opposed to um, just simply you know oh here's this really hard question go off and think about that in your own bubble have you found that asking those hard questions can help bring you have out to disrupt a narrative yeah of we're so good at you know believing our own press release sometimes and it's like I don't got time for that boo boo like. Let's go. You mm -hmm. know what's actually going on here, and it's just I, I'm not. I don't have time. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know about you, Wardrop. No, totally. And and geez, we could go on this for a while. The Good. short answer is yes. <laughs> uh, you need to do that. And I feel like people like Katie and my wife Jenny, in particular, are relentless at going. Can we actually find out the truth here? Can yeah. We, can we find out what's really going on? So but I think, um, yeah. What I what I notice in asking hard questions. I love to ask people who are wrestling with self-esteem related problems, hard mm. questions, because that involves lifting them up and forcing them to see themselves in a better light. Mm. And that is just frankly more joyful than the alternate. 
but it's also uh, more successful, I find, than when you're trying to find somebody who is arrogant and proud and you're having to reveal that to them and they don't want to hear it. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. I take sick pleasure in systematically dismantling what I perceive to be unbecoming personal narratives. If, if you're listening to this... I cannot describe fully how terrifying it is to hear Katie systematically break down somebody's defenses <laughs> like she's a defense attorney in a flipping courtroom. And I it, nearly and did law, I'm actually. I'm so glad that I've, you've never done that to me. <laughs> so that day will come and I'm terrified. Oh, that's so good. Well, um, let's uh, put a quick pin in that. And Mike. Hello, James. How are you? I'm well. That's good. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> um, so kind of same thing real quick. Um, um who are you? Wow, that's deep. <laughs> uh, so I'm uh, an only child, grew up in the church, mm-hmm. uh, adopted kid, uh, which is part of the identity. And um, I grew up in the church since so I was about 12. I didn't grow up in uh, an evangelical church. I grew up in a very old traditional uh, church who, mm. you know, they were very kind to me, but there was never any sense of life in the sense that we want you to understand who Jesus is, yeah. what he's done for you. So I left the church, but it wasn't out of a sense of rebellion. It was out of a sense of boredom. Sure. And so where Katie had these anger against God, but was probably stuck in the church, I was not in the church and I really loved God. And people would say things about God at school and I'd get defensive. And they're like, well, do you go to church? No. Do you go to youth group? What's a youth group? I I didn't know any of this stuff, but I was just weirdly defensive of God. But I never wanted to step foot in the church again. And then when I was 19, got invited, said no, then got invited by the same friend again the next week, which Mm. I love that story because it just reminds us of the power of persistence and invitation. Came there and the first week, God just smashed me. I I felt the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I'd even heard about the Holy Spirit before. And uh, I, that that was it. I was a wreck. And yeah, from there, wow. it just became a, a gradual journey into Amazing. faith. And then slowly but surely, I, a gradual call into ministry. I just think I'm a bit slow sometimes, so God has to work at my speed. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So, so that ministry, what, is, what does that look like now? Yes, so I am the co-lead pastor of a church called Encounter Church mm-hmm. in the inner northern suburbs of Adelaide, which you attend, I my do. dear friend. That's true. Yeah. So Jen and I, uh, we've been leading this for three years. It was a church plant from scratch. Uh, before that, I was an associate pastor at Journey Uniting Church, where Katie currently works. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just decided that we, we sensed God calling us out of that. We didn't know what into, which was a bit terrifying. So we got the call out. We waited and waited and, and, and got a sense of a call to plant a church. Mm-hmm. So it was not, for us, it was very, very much not a, oh, this is cool, planting a church. It was boom and terrifying. Yeah. But uh, by the grace of God, yes, yeah, going really well. We're loving life. Awesome. Um, cool. So. I know a little bit about your story outside of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, this is a podcast about uh, uh, leadership in in Australia, the culture in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you've you've planted a church, um, but this isn't your first time trying to do that. Mm. Um, yes. So, can you give me just a little bit insight into? Uh, that into the, sure. the before that yeah yeah okay so uh, just timeline lining it a bit this is five years ago uh, I left Journey was trying to work out what to do next uh, and a couple of folk who were a bit older than me who I'd really who I really respected mm. um, asked us to consider whether we would church plant with them uh, the model of the church and ultimately that's what we ended up doing uh, the model of church plant that we were looking at and discussing was effectively a six person so three couples would, would lead it and I would be the pastor of that church Sure. and that was fine we started building it we gathered a few people on teams so I think we ended up having about maybe maybe like 13 or 14 adults it was, it was still very small it was not launched in any way uh but as the six of us kept going we realized there was we were not as clear on the vision as we thought mm. that is we each interpreted it differently and what was really interesting is we'd signed a document that said this is what it is and in that document we were still reading different parts of that document differently mm. and interpreting it differently yeah, okay. and so we got to a point where uh, one of our team who the oldest member of our team and also the most decisive member of that team <laughs> who's a great very great leader in our movement uh, called Graham Humphreys uh, just looked and he said look I think we're at an impasse we have to make a decision which way we go and so we prayed about it 
And we decided that we needed to form two separate churches out of that. Yeah. It was a really painful time. Yeah. Really, really difficult. These are people I love and respect deeply. I still do. Mm. And uh, and from that, we we prayed that two healthy churches would come from it. And Amazing. that's exactly what's happened. Amazing. So by the grace of God. Uh, and with relationships intact. With relationships yeah. intact. Which I Absolutely think is incredible. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. We, love, we love these people. We really do. Um, and so we're, we're thrilled for them. So... Uh, they lead a church called Mitcham Hills, which is a beautiful church in the Adelaide Hills, which is just doing great things and is really community oriented. And mm. I just, I just love what they're doing. So good. Uh, and it was great, but we we left that experience pretty uh, wounded, not mm. specifically because of these people, but just the experience itself. Yeah. Yeah. And it was my family and one other guy who had agreed to stick it out with us, <laughs> and we're like, okay, well, we love you, bro. And he's now our chair of church council, actually, Jared. And uh, calling patient zero we said we, lo- we love you bro but this is not a church this is a family with a weird uncle so we are going to go away and uh, and pray about this and see if we have the strength mm. resilience and call was it our ego that called us to church plant was it the call of god was it an experience we needed to have um mm. that sounds very technical but really it was born through a lot of tears and Absolutely. so we went away actually with my, my parents and our family went away and we said okay god well we're not we don't want to do this anymore. So if you want it to happen, you bring people. Mm. And so we just kind of threw that fleece out there. We didn't tell anybody what we're doing. And then a couple of people just contacted us out of left field for, through a friend of a friend. And uh, it happened a couple of times and we went, okay, I think we're being mm. faithless if we Amazing. don't progress now. Yeah. So we started with eight people and now we run a couple of services on a Sunday, have maybe 150 or so on a Sunday. So good. That's amazing. So, now you know looking looking at that that's a you know three years of church mm-hmm. um how how is that transition of being a leader of a family and a guy in a <laughs> in a church you know and that and that being your your sundays and your you know your week in and that's and that's your church that's your community and then and building life groups out of that um you know st- well, life group and then and then that turning into more how how is that transitioning from life group to small church to you know at, at this point it's it's almost fair to say big church you know what what's that transition like as a as a leader uh, i can't imagine that that would be a simple thing yeah from a leadership point of view uh i loved it Mm. And it was all about setting up for what's next. Just the one step ahead. That's yeah. that's that's really all you've got to be. I mean, I, I've heard stories of pastors who are like, I have this vision of a mega church. I have 10 people will start, will end up in 10,000. Most of those people are in America, granted. But uh, I didn't have that. I just mm. went, okay, if we're going to grow, because I believe the kingdom of God is about growth. And I believe people mm. need to know Jesus. Like, I'm, I'm not a very complicated man. <laughs> and so I, uh, I just went, okay, well, what do we have to do to get from here to there? Mm. and get to hit to the next step. And so we started talking about how we could create more small groups. And that was actually the most difficult phase in our church's life, mm. going from one small group to three. Mm-hmm. Um, before we'd launched, before we were holding Sunday services, that was the most difficult part. Yeah. And that was when people left because the little um, comfortable community that they'd been drawn into was sort of being broken up a bit. And, and it kind of forced uh, some actual responsibility on people yeah. that perhaps weren't ready for it in that time. Um, I would say emotionally, not spiritually. I think sure. in terms of spiritual maturity, there should have been. Maybe yeah. I'm being too critical, but, you know. I'm the one being interviewed. Hey. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that was a bit of a blow and a few people left at that point and we had to sort of retool it and work out what was going on and uh, mm. and we just sort of pulled it back in a little and then stretched it back out a little and, and always in leadership it's about being finding leaders, developing them, raising them up, releasing them, empowering them, supporting them, getting feedback from them, finding out where their season of life is at and, and then finding what's next for yeah. them. Uh, so as and I don't know. I, I, we can get, take that wherever you like. Yeah. Um, well, what I would like is to kind of open open it up a bit. Yeah. I suppose um, we've been talking about you guys a lot and your ministries, and this podcast is about Australia and and how Australia and how um, how the church impacts Australia. How how our leadership, your leadership the leadership of the people we've interviewed impacts that and and then how the people that they lead impact that um so you know just pulling on all these threads knowing 
now now that the the listeners have a little bit better of an idea of, of to who you are and, and where you stand on things and, and where you come from what what were your takeaways from this podcast that you would take into your ministry I think like Melinda Dwight and Steve Chong that the harvest is ripe, you know, yeah. and it's like even myself don't accept the premise. I re- it was chastened in that I realised I've been accepting the premise mm, yes. that like it's hard and it's da 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 da, but like every person that I like the, the amount of curiosity about faith and larger things and spirituality is huge and there's not this sort of negativity towards christianity so much as there's a i would say a bafflement yes like what really tell me about that you know and that that um that the you know i think chong was talking about unmute unmute yourself yeah unmute the church unmute the church totally um alongside the need to take responsibility as the church for our collective lesser realities and do our darndest to <laughs> collective lesser reality you mean the many moral failures we need to own yeah man like and royal commissions and the <laughs> yeah. fact that we've you know tried to it's a, it's a very charitable that. way of putting it yes. well i don't know i feel like i i don't know man yeah it's all right you know like i sometimes wonder in the time of william wilberforce pioneer ending slavery if i was the daughter of uh, an anglican priest living in london in whatever era that was and you know we had slaves would i have been like oh this is a totally normal thing which is fine or would i have had the nous and the awareness and the humanity within me to go no this is not okay Mm -hmm. i and i'm terrified to know what the answer of that will be and Mm -hmm. that's the thing i'm sort of saying like Mm -hmm. i'm not trying to judge the church i'm just saying that we need to find a way of engaging our culture which has a narrative about us that is unhelpful but not necessarily unfair. I think to bounce off that point um, of accepting premises is we have then accepted a premise that because there are things that we need to critique, we should become cynical of the church. Ooh, deconstruct. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just deeply sick of it. I mean, we're it's deconstructing everything in our realities. Uh, one of my weird current bugbears is I'm just sort of over Christian meme pages. I just think all they do is deconstruct stuff, make pretty average jokes anyway most of the time but now i'm deconstructing them but but they just are deconstructing something and then the caption is so often oh can't wait to hear the comments like no no bro you're doing this you are setting people up for failure on purpose out of an attitude and posture of cynicism and deconstruction it's like christian what clickbait. are you doing to guess yeah, exactly. what are you doing to be and so it's frankly relevant magazine and and people like that and we can go down that path i don't mind but I just think there is so much deconstruction of what people aren't doing and very little of lifting up what the church is doing. And and, and I'm talking about within the church. Yeah. That's the problem. Like yeah. if you're seeing that out in society, yeah, sure, I get it. That, those, are, those are some of the barriers we need to overcome in reaching people. But inside the church, man, I just want to champion people on. Like I had somebody last night at church asking me, like, oh, is there a – is there a network among you churches or are you all kind of isolated? You know, a fairly new person. I said, oh, no, no, we're, we really do cheer each other on. And they looked at me a bit skeptically so to say, oh, that hasn't really been my experience. I went, yeah, yeah, me neither. But I think we really do try. I, so if I was to get real honest for a minute, I think one of the great opportunities for the church, particularly interdenominationally, is to I, – I feel like there's this kind of, oh, they're doing great threat warning 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 must be better our youth ministry must be better warning Mm. warning you know or you know you can't get involved in this ministry unless you're choosing not to be involved in this ministry or Mm. how did they get that many people to this and da 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 da. like that to me is the devil and it is so unhelpful and so one of the questions i've been asking myself and our teams at church is what are we building in this comment yep in this meeting in this public post i want to know what you are building or what foundation you are laying that can be built upon i'm not interested like you're saying it's like great we all know that we can do better 
no surprises there Mm -hmm. so how can we actively champion even if it costs us people like this whole thing must retain people must retain people we're also afraid of losing people and i'm like bruv there's a season for everything in life there's horses for courses Mm. you know be placed and planted in a church in which you will contribute thrive flourish and not deconstruct discipline yourself in that reality and let's see what we get up to give me a church right now that's not one of ours that you're like i love this church and what they're doing hillsong church great i have never like who are they yeah cue cue the comments (laughs) hillsong how is that two words No, I we have we are our church uh, is part of the Hillsong Network. As are we? As a journey. As a what's your church called again? Encounter. Random Acton. <laughs> Random Action Verb Church. That's right. There it is. No, Perfect. so like, and I have never encountered a more humble, generous, releasing, equipping church. Like they mentor us, they resource us, they come and speak at our conferences and literally like we don't want to like we'll pay for our flights and we're like no 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 like one time I had to say to Cass Langton it would be really embarrassing if you wouldn't let us pay for your flights and accommodation like it was her team that was coming and I was like Mm. please please let us do this and I've never ever had that sense of feeling like they're doing me a favor or like you know it's just been like hey what's going on and chucking me a text every now and again i i have just found them to be a beautiful releasing equipping kingdom-minded church often at their own expense and i feel like they are low-hanging fruit for the christian deconstruction Mm -hmm. kind of cohort Mm -hmm. and i just it just drives me nuts Mm because i just think well you get to be a church of 150,000 people Mm -hmm. and then you know you can have something to say about that and i'm not saying that we shouldn't this and i'm not saying we shouldn't that i'm just saying what are we building yes yeah agree. i love them and i'm so grateful to them and if you're listening generic hillsong world i am deeply grateful for you and we are all better for you 100 percent. i've had the same experiences Amazing. incredibly generous people yeah yeah I'd give a shout out. I know we had them on the pod, but I'll just shout out Crossway Baptist in Melbourne. Oh my gosh, yes. I am just so deeply admiring of Dale and Edie, but also every time I meet any of the leaders that work under them, just extraordinary people and full of joy, like genuine gospel joy every time you talk and to nothing them. nothing to prove. Enthusiastic, nothing to prove. Just like, no, yeah, man. You know, that's, I think that's the beauty of once you're confident in the platform, like Josh talked about that a little bit when we interviewed him, you know, it's... What do you got to prove? You just you just up there now. But the the kind of complexity around the church. They talked about how you know people look at their worship and go, oh, that's obviously not the secret sauce. It's all right, and but it's it's not something new, and that's true because if you look at that and you just go, oh, that's their main game, you would say that's not very complicated. But when you look at the many myriads of ways they seek to help people express their faith in missional communities and life groups and home churches and connect groups, but all in an interconnected, networked way and churches that are in Mandarin and Indonesian, and work, but that all are working together in unity for the same kingdom purposes, it's not like hey, we're doing our thing and we give a thumbs up over there. That's like, no, no, no. We are finding a complicated way to include all these different expressions because different people need different ways to do church together. And then they go, oh, how about we do building a disciple culture and we find a way to get uh, philanthropists to give money to churches to learn how to disciple, which is what they do, which is unreal. And I said, yes, please. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Um, You just touched on something interesting there that I just want to kind of have you guys deconstruct um so you kind of in in all of this has kind of been this outline um of of church like big church then goes into you know church church is kind of like an upside down pyramid of this you know like it goes people life groups or small groups church communities wider church church you know um but is there a rubric is 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 there a one size fits all style of church or because of you know the cultural difference within our own communities here in Australia or you know just the wider wider church like do do we have to be more innovative with the way that we we do church or have we found it already so the question behind that question if i've understood it correctly is so someone's doing a house church mm-hmm. someone's doing mega church someone's doing 
I don't know, church plant in the inner north? Is that the question you're asking? My my question, I, I kind of think is is more like, so we kind of have this view of, of like church as being, you know, leaders going into groups, going oh. into bigger groups kind of thing. Now, but what you said kind of, that's what I mean is like, does that rubric fit those models? Well, I, I I think that we should just be driven by scripture. Sure. How how does the word describe the characteristics of the church? I would say fruits of the spirit. Mm. I would say Acts chapter two. Um, I would say the power manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and I would say that there is a discipline to the framework of the gathering that's what i would say because i think sometimes we can get cynical about the gathering and even now like a lot of my friends we're pushing 40 um and everyone's all just like oh yeah church rah and i'm like no this is the moment this is not a common thing to intentionally week after week place my children and myself in an environment which doesn't necessarily cater to all of my preferences, which forces me mm. to come under the weight of God's word that has not necessarily yeah, been distilled huge. through my own personal preference or my own worldview, mm. to butt up against people who are different to me, people that I flat out don't like, people of different generations, and to choose to be present in that space, to pray in that space, to offer gathered worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, mm. regardless of whether I like the song or not. So I think. Sometimes we confuse rubric with, well, what are the hallmarks that we see in scripture of a healthy expression of kingdom church that's with Jesus at the head of the church, you know? Mm. And um, and I think that we overcomplicate that and are lazy in, oh, well, we're going camping this weekend. That's fine, go camping. But like, don't then disappear for six months of the year and then go, oh, you know, church doesn't really scratch out you. We don't really feel connected. Right. It's like because you've missed the discipline of the framework. Yeah, I could, I could not agree more with what Katie just said. Uh, when we do our Welcome to Church uh, sort of connect membership thing, which we call Growth Track, we, I talk a lot about big church and small church and how, and how we need both, that we need the diversity of the gathered body and we need the intimacy and, and accountability of the uh, life groups and connect groups, whatever, whatever you call them, yeah. are your church. I, and I, you look, I'm, I'm as guilty as everybody else in having my preference for church style and size mm. uh, and... And things like that. I, I think you want to ask the question: Does it work? Like that's the fruit. Does it does it work? As is it you growing? Look conversion growth v absorbing other Christians, which is again fine. So well, there are models out there where you don't get conversion growth or absorb other Christians, but God help you if you critique the models. So I think that's that's <laughs> step one. Like honestly, like we're in we're in the frontier of Christianity in the twenty first century here in Australia. Okay, we're not when we. We have to get groups like Open Doors to tell us stories about the exciting things happening in the church because we forget because we look around <laughs> Australia and we get much more excited by like, I don't know, uh, going to Ikea after COVID <laughs> finishes or something like that. Um, so I think, and this is a really boring answer, but just go back to like Rick Warren's five purposes. And Come you, on. And you get a pretty good idea of mm. like the sort of stuff you need to do as a church. Number you, one. It's Go. not about you. It's not no. about you. First Ooh. thing in the purpose-driven life. It's a cracker book. Oh, it's 20 years old. It's from a mega church. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's brilliant. Yeah. Like it is really insightful and really helpful. And Rick Warren is a generous and kind yeah. leader. Can I, can I just real quick? I, I always I always love that that deconstruction that people have of like, oh, that's from a different time. Like, you know, 1980s, 1990s. Yeah. Do you mean like the Bible is written 2,000 years ago? What does it got to start? I mean, it just blows my mind that people are like, It's like oh, woke no, no, no. theology. Oh, now we get what the no, Bible no, meant like, 2,000 years later. The, the, thank you. Like, I uh, wish Paul was here so I could explain it to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That just that just blows my mind. Sometimes people are like, oh, no, I can't, I can't relate to that because that was, that was written in the 80s. And I think we do need to be cognizant of the reality of our cultural reality. Mm-hmm. So like in, in developing nations or persecuted nations in which Christian Christians are, or the church is persecuted. It's a whole different metric that we're dealing with, but yes. we in the West have so much privilege, so much agency, which obviously is a byproduct of privilege that we can choose and we get so comfortable and that's our poverty. Like I remember listening yes. to Heidi Baker, um, who works in Mozambique and everywhere now, but she was just sort of saying that God, she didn't want to come and preach in the West or the developed world because she just 
was just, I just want to be with the poor and I just want to be healing the sick. Da, 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 da. Um, and then God gave her a vision of the Western developed church as this sick, you know, leprosy riddled, unable, showed it to her just like the children she was ministering to in wow. poverty, that we were impoverished as a church because we hadn't understood or embraced or avowed ourselves of the fullness of the presence of God and repentance and fully relying like in in those nations they've got no choice mm. but here we're just like I might do this or I might do that yeah. oh I don't yeah. really this church doesn't really feed me I never ever <laughs> want to hear that again yeah I'm not really getting much out of my connect group yeah. shush well the, come here the and give me a hug and just shh the version I hear a little bit more of that now is something along the lines of, I'm not sure this is a safe place for me, which is a passive-aggressive way of saying I don't agree with your theology and it makes me uncomfortable because it's from the Bible. But I, going back to the you're, very... You're right. Everyone agreed with Jesus. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. He was yeah. cheered on by the Pharisees. The, <laughs> I think at the heart of this question, though, James, is, is you're asking, um, in effect, is there... Is it possible that there is a one-size-fits-all out there? And the answer is no. And the answer is we need to be thoughtful enough to uh, go, what is God calling us to do as an expression of orthodox biblical Christianity mm. that is um, helpful and communicative to the to the wider world and is invitational and attractive, not attractional, but attractive mm. to people that they come in and go, wow, I, I actually like these people. These people like yeah. each other. Yeah. I feel like even if I have never been here before and I don't get the God stuff, I think I could find a home here. Yeah. I think the community could work for me. Yeah. And and I think the more we can focus on that, and obviously there is there are some versions of church where I believe they're preaching heresy, but my reading of that would be there are far less of those than sometimes we would like to believe. Sure. Okay. Huge. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> um, so going, going forward, we've... You know, we're we're planning on doing doing another season of this. Yeah, we're planning on wait. talking to some more people and, and learning more about the church. But one of the, one of the things I'm I'm kind of hearing is like we're this is a this is a leadership podcast mm. pr- primarily. Mm-hmm. For, wait, for, what? <laughs> for you know, for it's it's kind of by leaders for leaders. Um, obviously, you know, if you're not if you're not in the church leader position, this is still something you can listen to and learn from. Everything but, is leadership. But I'm I am kind of getting this this thread of you did not say that. <laughs> but he said it. Everything well. everything uh, is leadership. But whether or not it's helpful remains to be seen. That's everyone is leading, everyone is being led. That's not the same as saying everything is leadership. Well I think he's meaning everything. Is that drink bottle leadership? <laughs> Well, like oh. I identify as it being leadership. Okay, don't rob <laughs> Bill this situation. <laughs> so, um, I, I would, I would <laughs> ask. Um, I, I'm noticing that there's kind of this thread of, of ownership in our own lives, not as leaders, like you know, as as just disciples. followers, yeah. as disciples, and and obviously, like that's that's the to me, from my faith, my perspective as a 26-year-old white man living in Australia of... How dare you? <laughs> check your privilege, James. Uh, <laughs> that's quite. the episode we should do a whole episode <laughs> called Check Just, Your Privilege. Um, is is that a G- Jesus' ministry was a, was, a, was a... He was a leader leading from behind, leading as a servant. We as leaders, leaders in the church, leading, serving. But the ownership is on the followers too to actually do the work you can't do all the work for your congregation can you absolutely not the best work by the way that we can do is being the first follower mm. um, so the best work we can do for our congregation is in the secret place with jesus and and that's not a one-liner it's just if you don't have that character at some point the foundation that you're building will be eroded under you mm. and it will be uh displayed you know the emperor it has no clothes so yeah easy to play church yeah it's so easy to play ministry it's so easy it's so easy i i i'm emotional about it Mm. like the secret place my husband couldn't sleep the other night because we were worrying about this thing that was happening sorry i mean we were up praying in faith 
Um, but he did. He woke up in the night and he actually prayed and he just said, you know, this is what happens when we're not in the secret place and we don't teach our people, you know, that the best thing they can do is to go and be on their own and learn how to be in relationship with Jesus and to read and to feed and to find that identity there. Like, you know, it's... I don't even know. We'll drop. Save me. Well, I think I think the best thing we can do as leaders is be in the secret place ourselves. The worst thing we can do, and this might not sound like the worst thing, but the worst thing we can do is tell our people to go to the secret place without going there ourselves. Ooh. Mm. Because then Good. it's like we're feeding them maccas and telling them it's prime rib. You know, we're, we're feeding them... We're, because we're lying to them it, We're telling them the truth about what they should do And I know there's a do as I say Not do as I do <laughs> But actually if you go do as I say And then afterwards you fi- We find out that you were never living that way To begin with Or, or you know, you're know, you in my church shame, So you, you find out that oh, I've been lying this whole time yeah. um, you know, I've been dissecting frogs in my study just for the sheer torture of it instead of reading scripture. I don't know um, why I went with frogs. That's a, God that's bless a the frogs. Up. Don't cancel frogs. <laughs> but I, if, if, if we find that out, it then undercuts a lot of the work that you've yeah. done in the secret place yourself. And now nah, maybe man, I'm, I might run that back a bit. I do think the work you do in the secret place just matters regardless. But it, it, it all comes down to the first servanthood of the leader you follow. So Katie and I have, Katie currently serves on staff under Andy Hogarth. I've served under him in the past at Journey. And and the first thing I would say about him more than any skill he has or any gifting he has is that he's just always in the secret place. So the amount yeah. of times I've knocked on the door of his office and he's just been sort of lying on his couch, daydreaming with a notebook in front of him, <laughs> worship music is playing. And he just does this for like an hour a day. Yeah. And he will routinely da- say, oh, you know, I, I got up at four this morning and was praying for a couple of hours and the Lord was saying, and he doesn't say it with pretension. This is just yeah. his life. Yeah. It's his rhythm of life. Yeah. yeah. The other day um, he didn't realise that one of our production uh, guys was in there uh, doing something for online church and Andy thought he was in the in the church on his own and he literally, <laughs> Matt messaged us and he was like, trying to get this work done you guys but andy's been shouting in tongues for the last 45 minutes (laughs) (laughs) he's coming through the wall when andy was like oh i'm so sorry i didn't know you were there (laughs) amazing well that's leadership (laughs) but so sorry circling back around yes every disciple must feed themselves ultimately or or allow themselves to be to be fed by jesus Mm. you know um, getting communion personally. Having the humility to know that you need it. Yeah. I think the great wrestle that we have as followers is that we are constantly fighting over who's leading. It's like, am I God? Is God God? Who's on the throne? <laughs> Me or God? In this particular yeah. moment where who is winning in the battle of submission? Oof. Yeah. That's big. I'm probably on the other side of that coin, whereas I wrestle with self-esteem more than pride. Sure. And so I'm more likely to ask, oh, but God, you don't really want to use me. Like, I couldn't I couldn't really. I am the lid on my church. I, well, that's kind of true to Is that because you're like, I should be this and I should be yeah. better and I yeah. should be Totally, like. totally. And I beat myself up constantly about this stuff, which is just another Do you find that especially pride. when you're coming to write a message and you're just like, what the heck? Oh my gosh. Who the hell am I? Of course. I need to die in a hole right now. <laughs> of course. You know that Grishel story, that Craig Grishel story, he talks about when he preaches, he still does this. He used to vomit before he preached mm. every single time. Wow. Just a lot of vomit, but he works out a lot, so maybe it's just like the way his body <laughs> That's how he keeps in so. shape. Oh. <laughs> oh <geez. laughs> wow. So, you know, move quickly along. But what he does is he is he gets up to preach and he stands like a meter back from from the the platform or the front of the stage wherever he's about to speak and then he steps forward and that's a little mental exercise he says i'm now stepping into this identity of preacher and into the presence of god that is going to work through me scared craig cannot craig scared craig craig cannot Mm. cannot preach this but humble craig that will let god move powerfully through him can do all things through christ so good amazing that's amazing um it's been so good 
talking to you guys. Um, uh, honestly, just cl- want to kind of close out. Is there any anything else that you guys have kind of taken from this podcast that you want to you want to leave with with our listeners um, while we go into the long wait for season two? I think there's a real groundswell for revival ready to happen. I do. I think. You know, you, you read books from people like Sayers and Mark Sayers, who we love, and um, he talks about it and, and is praying for it. You, you you know, you go through lockdown and COVID and our temptation is to go, that's our reality. COVID is the reality or the lockdown is the reality. Or even you come out and the feelings of wider culture are the reality. But the reality is that the spirit blows where it will. The wind blows where it will. And... Jesus wants to see his church renewed. Mm. And there is always the opportunity for revival, a revival through the Holy Spirit, not just through the excitement of our words, says the guy who got very excited on the platform last night. (laughs) (laughs) But it it, it is very much that the ground has been broken up by secularism's failure and has broken up more by COVID and that's been broken up more by, I think, where the church is in Australia now, which is, I think, a a fairly humble, repentant place mm. of understanding our, our many our many failures and flaws and longing to do and be something that will get us a well-done, good and faithful servant, not because of our big A achievement, but because of our faithfulness, which is the primary source of fruitfulness anyway. Mm. So I'm excited. I, I actually really am. I'm not just saying that because we're in a pod or I'm a pastor or whatever. I feel really excited about what the Holy Spirit wants to do. That means we're going to step into a spiritual battleground, but I'm excited for that nonetheless. Hawksy? I think um, yes and amen to all of that. But also I feel that the gift of the level of disruption that you've just described means that you can't hide behind a thing that looks good but delivers nothing secularism promises the world but delivers nothing you know and so like you you know i think we talked about it like you never know how good of a chess player you are until you lose your queen and so never has it been more exposed the level of our personal discipleship or our willingness to submit or to be agile to do the work and so the gift of that is that you can um is that we can go into this next season knowing that it's going to be the fruit of the spirit in working through our lives it's going to be the secret place that's going to drive everything going forward and the grace of god to us in that is that it was always that way we just Mm. didn't realize it because we were so comfortable Mm. it's that's so fascinating you know sometimes sometimes a soccer team goes down a man and they play better they just play better as a Mm. team because the stakes become higher and and it's it's almost a fascinating commentary on suffering which is way too big for us to get into here (laughs) right now but just to talk about the fact that oh wow when we're under pressure God's forming diamonds because we're actually beginning to take it seriously. You remember Mike, um, I don't know if you remember, but Mike Pilavachi, who's a British legend of the faith, was interviewed by Nikki Gumbel on the Nikki Gumbel Leadership something or other, amazing pod. It is a great pod. Um, So Mike Pill was saying how when he was learning to minister in the Holy Spirit, um, he was with a friend of his, I think, from the States, and he said, why is it when you pray things happen and when I pray they don't? happen as much and the guy said well I think I just want it more and I have a greater expectation that God will move through me and Mike Pilavachi is like all right hang on a minute but then he was like whoa and I wonder like you know the level of our expectation our desperation for it I don't know if you can play it that it can it's it's a binary state you're either are or you aren't Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't know. It's like you're a little bit hungry. Are you hungry or you're not hungry? Like what's your expectation? Like that's one of the things where, you know, and especially if you what are. You want? If you are in. What do you want? Oh, ouch. You know what I mean? Like that's the same, same sort of yeah. vibe. Like what's your expectation of what God could do? And the reason our expectations of God are so small sometimes because what we really want is a comfortable armchair and Netflix. Mm. Yeah. More so, you than want we God want to not to bother power. you. Yeah, you want yeah. all the benefits of God. <laughs> yeah, without being sanctified. Yeah. That's right. Oof, the kingdom yeah, without so the true. king is uh, 
young Marcus says. Yeah, but what does he know? Quite a lot. (laughs) Says you, white man. Um, Privilege, Katie. (laughs) So I think that I think that's a very cool thing. So I I, I find myself if you're a person who's in weekly ministry and that can just become like the grind, like you're smashing out relentless remix for the forty seven thousandth time, like. Okay, you know, but God's going to use it. God can use it. I need to be in a place where I'm willing to partner whatever. And that's a discipline. Yeah. And that requires a generosity of spirit from me that's not going to be achieved by me just going through motions. Yeah. Oof. That is really good. I don't know what that was, Katie. Just then, just that little. Uh, well, I was hoping we could just move past it. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we are, we're very excited for season two. Yeah. We won't give away any of our guests. We've got a couple of them booked in, and we've got a Rhymes few. Rhymes with no. Schmeyers. <laughs> apparently, we are going to give it away. Give it away. Um, <laughs> and we're, we're very excited to have some of these guests on. and uh, But we're really keen to have uh, your input. So if you've got guests that you'd love to hear from you know hit us up on instagram or at read the room oz oz james at gmail.com <laughs> read the room oz at gmail.com we'd, we'd love to hear from you because you know again we want this to be native for australia we want this to be australian leaders i feel like my own network of indigenous leaders is not as strong as i'd like it to be i'd love people to hit us up with yeah, recommendations of people who'd be really wise and thoughtful indigenous voices in australia and, um, you know, we haven't had people from NT or Tassie yet, you know, WA, Canberra. There's still a few states we haven't touched on yet. Mm. So hit us up. We'd love to hear from as many wider voices as possible within Australia mm. to hear great Australian stories to, to cheer yeah. us on in the 21st century. Thanks for joining us on Read the Room Australia. We are so excited that you chose to spend some time with us. Kate, can't wait to share season two with you. Uh, we'd love any support, any feedback, any likes, shares, ratings, any reviews, ratings, reviews, <laughs> Yelp, seriously, please, recipes, favorite recipes, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and we'll be in touch with you soon. But we love you and we're praying for you, Church of Australia. Yes. See you next season. Bye.